Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale. It's going to take down your diner and then put it right back. I'm Alex. When you wander through the darkness for as long as I have, there's only one thing you look forward to at the end of a long night of moving a diner, then unmoving it, then moving it, then unmoving it, then moving it again. And that's Benjamin Moore paint. Always does the job right. I pay for it with my chime card. Later, Justin. I'll tell you what. Sometimes I'm reaching for that Benjamin Moore paint. Sometimes I'm reaching for that smart food. Sometimes I'm mixing the two of them up and just having a great old time. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, very funny times in Riverdale across the board, especially when at the emotional peak, they slide in a quick shout out to Benjamin Moore Payne. <laughs> for the, I believe they say Benjamin Moore for the win. Yes. Uh, which is their uh, slogan. Paint a product famously bought by young people. <laughs> well, listen, we are going to talk about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 15, Chapter 110, Things That Go Bump in the Night. But before we get into that, before we get into any recap of the episode or anything, yeah. there's the big news that we should talk about right off here. I just came back from jury duty today. That was the big thing that I wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, sick. And you're yeah. on... Um, uh, Percival Pickens' trial, right? Yeah, you, he's uh, winning. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's winning. Alex, it's up to you. He's very you have to fix it. I'm sorry. I have no tether. My only tether wow. is this podcast, man. My only tether is Heather. Uh, you need a tether, and so does um, everything else. The, the real reason we are need a tether is season seven is the last season of Riverdale. Yes, this news came out as part of Upfronts just this past week. The CW announced that season seven is going to be the final season of Riverdale. Not unexpected. Mind you, we've been talking about this for a very long time, but seeing it there and writing still very sad that the show is actually going to end. Uh, What's your take on this? What's your take on the news? And what do you think the show needs to do going into the final season of the show? Well, in some ways, it's really exciting because it means that they have to do everything all at once, which is what's written above the Riverdale writer's room, I assume. (laughs) Um, And they have to even amp it up even more. Um, So that's exciting to know that they're going to really sort of run out the clock in the most exciting way possible. Um, And at the same time, like this show right now, where we are in season six, is the furthest away from the beginning premise of this show. They have uh, superheroes, uh, witches from the town next door. Like we're mixing and ghosts. We're doing everything all at once. And to be able to come from this creatively very distant point back to a landing spot that pays off sort of the promise and the premise of the entire show is really exciting because, like, I always want to show that pushes the creativity as far as it can go. And you couldn't ask for more push than old Riverdale. Yeah. Just talking about the final episode of the show, obviously we're very far away at this point. But I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I'm presuming Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa is probably going to write the final episode. And he excels at mission statement episodes. This is not to say I'm also pretty confident that a lot of people are going to be pissed because they're always pissed at finales. Some ship is not going to get its due. Some other ship is going to get its due. There's going to be fights. There's going to be aggravation. But I would suspect at this very early point that a big part of the finale and the final season, like honestly this season, but in a more grounded way, it's going to be about getting back to what is the heart of Riverdale and almost looping back. This is total prognostication on my part, but I could see it getting, you know, you're never going to get past that darkness, but getting back to we are the Archie comics now, you know, whatever shape the characters are in, it's going to be hopeful Riverdale at the end, rather than one last stab in the face, one last murder, one last bit of darkness, something like that. Like, I think you think back to some of the best episodes of the show, 
this is uh, to talk about like the the Luke Parry Memorial episode in particular, mm. something which I remember very specifically. We were so surprised that it worked in still darkness and mystery, but it had that poignancy. It had that Americana to it. And that's something I would not at all be surprised about with the finale. The other thing that I was surprised about, but the more I think about the more I like it is uh, there's a there was a phone call, an executive phone call uh, as part of the upfronts. They do this when they're talking about the schedule and I asked them for my day job, you know, what led to the decision to end Riverdale now, even though I very well know what led to that decision, but wanted to get their quote on it. But the second part of the question was, is this going to be a shortened, abbreviated final season? Because I think we also expected, or at least I expected we were going to get like a 10 to 13 episode season paralleling the beginning season. And Mark Pedowitz, the head of the CW, said, well, we haven't announced any official episode counts, but at this point, no, we expect it to be a full season. So a full 22 yeah. episodes, which to your point, I really do think the more that I think about it, that really gives them time to yeah. plan this out, really think about this, really make the decisions they need to make. I'm not going to say get it right, because again, I expect that a good 50% of the audience will be upset because 50% of any audience is always upset, but hit what they want to hit as they head towards those final episodes. And correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we talked to Roberto Garcigasa, he said that he had the ending in his head, right? He there's a couple of times I don't remember if he talked about it on our podcast, but I know he has mentioned before that he feels like the ending of the show would be Archie has a baby like there is like he gives birth to a baby junior style out of his own tummy. And Junior that's style, the final shot. That's the final shot of the show, a, a baby bursting forth from Archie. And that baby is a tiny town called Riverdale. Yeah, naturally. exactly. Of course. Of course. No, Archie having a kid that that's like. He is now the Fred. He is passing along to the next generation. That's sort of the end of the show there. I don't know if that's changed at some point, but uh, the big thing that he said to us is he felt like there's still plenty of gas in the tank. There's still plenty of ways to go. Um, And there is. I mean, we're on season 15, episode 15 right now. So there's another seven episodes of this season that are another 22 episodes. That's that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, and particularly when so much has happened in just this season alone. Um, we, we truly, we could end up anywhere uh, when we come down to it. And if we know Riverdale, they're going to take some pretty big swings, even if mm-hmm. it's just for one-off episodes or a, a short um, Riverdale in space style <laughs> uh, arc or something like truly, like the sky's the limit and beyond. Yeah, the other thing, though... I mean, not to get too much into the shipping thing, but I saw a lot of people, whether jokingly or not, tweeting, well, that's it, Parchy Endgame. Well, that's it, Bughead Endgame. Well, that's it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, no. But at this point, once they start planning out that final season, I do think they're going to have to start laying that groundwork in some ways. Like, I've been putting off saying anything is Endgame until the end. Now we know the end is coming. The only cheat in my mind when it comes to ships is if, let's say, uh, Betty and Archie are dating for 21 episodes in the final season, the last episode, he's like, you know what, I want to be with Jughead, and then that's the end of the show. Like, there needs to be some sort of emotional crest and actual emotional arc to these things, so whatever they decide is going to be the actual end game with these relationships, because I think that's important to the fans, but it is honestly important to the fabric of the show as well. I think next season is the time to start looking for those clues. Well, yes, I agree. Um, here's a very uh, armchair, seat-of-the-pants prediction. Mm. We get the um, storyline that we uh, ta- had talked about a couple episodes back on our podcast, where Archie walks both paths. He um, sees his life if he marries Betty. He sees his life if he marries Veronica. And then either the series ends with him with a, like, I have to choose black. We don't ever know. Or, as has been alluded in perhaps the last two episodes specifically, we get a full-on thruple situation. <laughs> you think it's going to end with a thruple? I, it's not. You the think way they're going to go for a Sense8 <laughs> ending for Riverdale? The, Just the, everybody the, on the floor <laughs> naked fucking? The way, the way these last two episodes have played out, sure. anything's on the table. Absolutely. Anything we is are, on the table. The door's wide open. We got <laughs> everybody kissing Betty and Drake. Come on. Yes. Chemistry is probably. We can get right into that if you want to get into Betty and Drake. I'm happy to talk about Betty and Drake. Betty and the Drake. 
That's my cake. And the Drake. Bake. That- <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess my point here is that in terms of looking for clues for the final season, I'm still not prepared to do that until we get to next season and we end whatever this story is and move on to that final story. Um, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch. And of course, we'll keep our podcast going, right? Beyond. Yeah. Well, th- you know, there's still probably going to be a lot to talk about. <laughs> I mean, beyond. <laughs> and let's not count out a spinoff perhaps involving uh, some sort of witchier uh, side of the show. Ooh, what if they, you know, it'd be cool, some sort of spinoff where they follow this Heather character back to Greendale and we meet some sort of witches there. Maybe they can introduce Sabrina Spellin and some of her chilling adventures. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. Imagine they're like, and our spinoff, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's been on Netflix for six years now. (laughs) Go backwards in time, you jerks. All right. Well, there you go. Lots more to talk about, I'm sure, as we get closer and closer to the final season of Riverdale. But why don't we give a brief bit of recap of things you need to know going into... Season 6, episode 15, the episode that we're talking about right now, because there's a lot going on. Let's start with Cheryl. She has reconnected with Heather, her lady love from back in junior high school, who, as we find out, this episode is now a librarian over in Greendale. She showed up at the end of the last episode after Cheryl finally reached out to her after a very long time. Meanwhile, Cheryl herself has been experimenting with some spells and witchy-type things, as well as having fire starter powers, and that plays big in this episode couple of other characters on the power side you should probably know about. Archie has super strength and invulnerability and has been dating Betty, who can see evil auras. Jughead can read minds and now go into people's mindscapes, Stranger Things style, and mm-hmm. just flip through the comic books inside their heads. And Love it. As we find out this episode, mess with them a little bit. Uh, the one that he messes with, not to spoil it too much before we get to it, is Reggie, who broke up with Veronica. Reggie has joined the side of Percival Pickens, the villain this season, who may be some sort of demon, maybe something else. We're not 100% sure, but he is controlling people's minds. However, does not seem to be controlling Reggie's mind. Reggie broke up with Veronica and is being a jerk of his own accord. Veronica, meanwhile, has toxic powers. Doesn't play into this episode too much, but she is running the Babylonian Casino by herself at the behest of the board, which includes Percival and Reggie, which causes problems for her. Also opposing Percival is Tabitha Tate, who can travel through time and runs Pop's diner. She has been pushing back against him, and Pop's is supposed to be a central battleground for the upcoming battle with Percival Pickens that we're going to find out more about going down the road. What else should we tell you? There's a big custody battle going on between Tony Topaz, Fags Fogarty, and Kevin Keller. We don't see Kevin this episode, I don't think. Does nope. he show up? He's not even on the construction crew, right? Very no. weird. But Kevin wants his baby back, baby back, baby back. Meanwhile, Tony mm-hmm. and Fangs want to keep their baby back, baby back, baby back. And Fangs is getting more and more, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Uh, crazed about it yeah, he's he's loose is what he is yeah, he's losing I think it a we little can, bit we can officially change the name of tangs to phony uh because mm. shit's getting wild over there all right i kind of want to start with that but before we do one last little thing to mention here is we mentioned the character agent drake this is a Agent in the fbi who we find out this episode is named jillian drake not spelled the same way as jillian anderson of the x-files but Basically that. We get it. Yeah, we get it. Sort of a cross between Mulder and Scully. Yes, Uh, kind of. And she is uh, assisting Betty with all the supernatural goings on in Riverdale because that is her area of expertise. Uh, Probably a couple of other things we need to mention. Oh, yeah. Frank is on the side of Percival. Alice is also on the side of Percival. Juniper and Dagwood, the two redheaded twins, are... On their own side, and there's a lot of missing cats in Riverdale that I'm yeah, sure. If you're into. a cat in Riverdale, watch your butt because <laughs> shit is going down. You cannot, you will not, not in a safe place anywhere on this show. So, lots of stuff as usual going on in the town of Riverdale. Why don't we? Should we start with like the big plot line first and kind of spin out from there? Uh, the yeah, big, that's a good idea. The big central one is Archie is recruited by Tabitha to help save Pops. They realize that Pops is in the direct line of flyer of a railroad that Percival Pickens is going to build, and their strategy is to take 
the diner and temporarily move it somewhere else. Unfortunately, over the course of the episode, they run into some pesky ghosts who live in Pops. <laughs> this this storyline, like, and I liked it. Like, it's not, sure. but it was, I was like, what? Just everybody <laughs> making crazy decisions. Um, they're like, well, he owns the land, but we can just move the diner. I want to be like, isn't the white worm underneath this place? Why is that place safe and the diner has to move? I don't know. And what are they going to take the floor up and be like, sorry, the white worm's an open air underground? I really floor. did not understand the plan here at all. Like, particularly if Pops is the heart of Riverdale. I don't know. Was the explanation? I'm getting ahead of the ending here. It's they recruit Heather and Cheryl to end up convincing the ghosts who live in Pops that it's okay to move it over to El Royale. So Pops is now in El Royale with the boxing ring, the youth center, no longer the town meeting place because they got rid of that. And yeah. the firehouse is also there, I think. And uh, Andrew's construction has to be somewhere over there. Yeah, the, it was so funny. Out. Quick sidebar. When Archie meets his crew at Andrew's construction, he's like, hey, Ben, a minute. I was like, how are you running at this business? You're, not even, <laughs> you're making fun of the fact that you're clearly not running it. And you still have an office. What are they building? It's a union shop, though. It's a union shop. So Union shop. What is that? Yeah. That doesn't. I like that it they made a big it. point of that um, as a union man myself. But that was just wild. That this whole plot anyway. line, like you were saying, and to be honest, I don't think it made any sense with her character the way that it's been going. But having Cheryl as the straight man reacting to everything, you'd be like, "What is happening?" Oh, so funny. So funny. I think the line was the line was. Well, Tabitha's like, "Well, that makes a lot of sense," and she's like, "Does it?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, Cheryl. Yes." Which. Again, totally out of character for Cheryl, who also this episode is like, yeah, I, I think I am a witch. I haven't wanted to say it out loud. The one that she was the voice of reason was bonkers, but also made me laugh out loud. Well, and let me say, I, we're jumping all over the place, but let me sure. say, I actually liked that, um, her restraint, because it felt like a reaction from Heather. Like, Heather is such a force. Every time we see them together, Cheryl's, like, buttoned up, like, uh, clutching her pearls, like, I like her! <laughs> like, she's like a, a schoolgirl. Um, and she's, which makes total sense. You see her be way more reserved, way more, like, sort of um, uh, restrained, I guess you could say. And I think it's because she's, like, she sees Heather. She doesn't quite know what to do. She's a bit deer in the headlights. She's trying to hold on to some information. Because, like, literally last episode, she was like, yeah, I'm going to use my witch fire. Witch fire is what I call it. I guess I'm a witch with fire. And this episode, she's like, witch? Huh, what is that, like, sandwich? I've never really looked it up. Let me look it up. Let me Google it real quick. Well, that part, the ghost part and everything, to me, this is a crazy word to use, but felt a little more authentic to me. And I think part of that is, I believe, to the two writers on this episode were new to Riverdale, but previously worked on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So mm -hmm. that part sort of had the arch tone of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, where all of those characters were always like, huh? What's happening? All right, I guess we'll roll with it. I guess that's a uh, wood fairy. There's a wood sprite here now, so that's all good. Uh, yeah, well, and did you hear the subtle eldritch tease in here? Yes. So Huge. Percival is an eldritch terror or bringing an eldritch terror? Uh, they didn't use the term eldritch terror. They right. just use eldritch. Um, right. And it is uh, setting him up. I'm trying to find it in my notes, but... It's setting him up to be that sort of defining monster yeah, um, in an interesting way. Well, from, we immediately, so and this is my fault, jumped away from the Tabitha and Archie thing, but just to round out the Cheryl and Heather thing, because that's obviously a big deal. People have been waiting to see Heather for a while, and it's funny to me, and mind you, I think I'm kind of right there with it, but everybody has been asking to see Heather for years, and then Heather showed up, and everybody's like, oh, hell no, stay away. Cheryl needs to be with Tony. What are you doing? Stay away from her. Um, but I, I think Carolyn Day did a good job as Heather. Like yeah. you were saying, it's a totally different energy that I expected from Heather. And right now it does. I think it will become romantic. It does sort of seem like a friendship right now. It seems like a yeah. mentor type relationship. Uh, and I also like the stuff we're layering in with Heather that, Clearly, there's some sort of dark past going on there that she's not filling in. Like, she feels in a little information about her mom dying, yeah. but there's more story there. Well, she talks about how she's raised by a coven in Greendale. I'm like, 
are we going to get a full crossover with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Seems seems that way. Or uh, are there uh, how many covens are in this uh, neighboring town? And she drops all this knowledge. She does the exorcism of the ghosts, um, reveals them. Very convenient that their names sort of rhyme in a fun way. Um, and then lay on like there's PP's building a ghost train. He's going to be the conductor uh, who has great power over the living and the dead. We need to rebuild the diner immediately. And the term she uses is Eldritch Evil, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, right next door to Eldritch Terror. Ter- Eldritch Terror. And that's when Cheryl's like, this is making sense. Tabitha's like, this is making sense. And Cheryl's like, is it? Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about sort of a mentor friendship thing, but I disagree. I think that's your Shoney head talking because I think – I think the sexual tension is strong and you see the way they've given um, Heather's uh, look is very, it's like partly Cheryl. You see Cheryl, a little bit of Cheryl in her look. Really? Uh, I think that not, not in her sort of bigger outfits, but sort of the more restrained, like when she was often wearing the spider brooch jacket Mm -hmm. and when she's wearing her more formal wear, I, I feel like there's a it rhymes with what Heather's wearing a little mm, bit. Interesting. So I think there may be some uh, younger connective tissue there. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot more to explore in the relationship. I think a lot of it was me getting used to this idea that she was more buttoned up. I think in my head, and maybe this has to do with Tony, maybe this has to do with the scant information about Heather and just what we know about Cheryl being absolutely wild. The fact that we do get somebody who is very school marm coming in here is just not the energy that I expected there. But again, good performance. Interested to see where it goes. Shoney Edgate, go ahead. Uh, I think you also, you start with the buttoned up librarian glasses, gives you a place to go when the real witch power comes out. Glasses mm-hmm. shatter, hair goes wild and Medusa style. Like, I think but this is um, this is the buttoned up, I'm a librarian, Heather. And when we get into some surreal witchier stuff, I think we're going to see that cut loose a little bit. Yeah, I will. Also, I, I will her look also reminds me of Grundy. Also, yes. from Greendale. that's the other thing that's bothering me a little bit. And yeah. this is, I think, we just need to get over it, and it's fine. They had the glasses around; it's not a big deal. They're just using them again. Uh, she's not Grundy. It's a different character. She's not doing that. But I don't trust her. Wow, interesting. Um, I think I, it's not that I don't trust her because of that. I think she's withholding some information, Mm -hmm. uh, which some of the witch stuff. Yes, absolutely. The last thing that I'll say about it is on the Shoney, Shoney, uh, show bent. I don't know. I was trying to look. Shoney show. Shether. Shether. There you go. Uh, the thing that Cheryl says at the beginning when Heather asks her if there is anybody, Uh. And she says something to the effect of, yes, there was somebody that I was in love with. Her name was Tony, but we're friends now. Got me right in the heart. Well, and I thought that was a really nice. We haven't mm-hmm. heard that real perspective on on the Shoney relationship. I will say the way she talked about it felt like she's still a little hurt by it. Mm-hmm. But she has enough distance from it that it doesn't feel like it's on her radar as something she's at all chasing. So, well, because I think if we were to follow the plot along at the same time, she knows that Tony is with Fangs. They have the baby. They're off doing their own thing. So I don't even think she's looking at it as a possibility. Like, she doesn't think Tony would ever want to get back together with her or would want to do something yeah. romantic. I think the last time they had a conversation, Tony basically told her she had moved on. So. Yeah. So that's the information that Cheryl has. I firmly believe they're going to get back together. Probably not this season at this point. Probably next season. Yeah. But I think late, late final mm. season is my predict. Oh, gosh. Long oh, way. You got a long oh, road no. there. Oh, no. Well, we already said we're not predicting final season, but no. final season. Uh, but again. that's literally what we will do all the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a roll and then immediately uh, break it. I'm the conductor of the um, ghost train of season seven. So I'm going to be yes. constantly predicting that. Uh, do we want to just jump over to Tony and Fag since yeah. we touched on that? Yeah. Phony. This this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, and the fact I, and that. I, and I want to be clear. I don't mean like, I, I just want to put this out front. I don't mean this that either of the actors suck. There's been a lot of conversation yeah. online where a lot of people are coming after Drew Ray Tatter for uh, these scenes. No. And, 
He's doing his job, man. Like, he's doing what the script is. No exactly. He, he's not making up what happens. Yeah, I think exactly. he's doing, from a performance standpoint, I think he's doing a great job. Because he is, like, at the beginning of the episode, I was, like, sympathetic to him. And then when he makes a bunch of mistakes, joins up with Pee-Pee's uh, construction crew, is sort of, like, clueless, dealing with Tony. And then Tony's operating around him. It's just... The bad, the bad vibes are are there. Yeah, I I think the thing that's bothering me, and not that Tony needs to be a saint in every single scene or anything like that, but they're putting in a lot of work to make Tony fuck up as well, particularly in this episode. Like she's trying real hard to be like, no, Fangs, you're the best father. You're doing an incredible job. I love that point when you brought guns into my baby's room and you were going to do a gang war. I thought that was great. I love when you shamed me for being on the pole. That was pretty awesome as well. And this thing, now where you're joining up with Percival Pickens, that's really cool. Let's get married. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here, but I feel like the motivation, of course, is exactly what she's been told by the social worker, that in order to hold on to baby Anthony she needs to be in a happy, loving relationship. So she will do absolutely anything to hold on to her baby. And I appreciate and understand that. But just the decisions that she's making throughout the episode are just making me scream no out loud while I'm watching them. Yeah, and I agree. It definitely feels like these characters are being sort of put through a plot device to get Mm -hmm. us somewhere. And I just hope where we get with them is is something interesting. I I mean, a Kevin versus Tony custody battle with Fangs being like, I don't know, I'm just trying. And it's really about like Kevin versus Tony's or uh, yeah, Kevin versus Tony. It feels so upsetting. And yeah. it, who who's like, so, I mean, Kevin has been such like a sort of disappointment this season. And like to, to go that way, I, I just don't know what, what part I'm going to enjoy about it. Yeah, the, I, and this is the thing that's frustrating, right? Because I think you can go to bat for storylines where you're upset at all the characters. It doesn't need to be, I love all of these characters all the time and they're all making good decisions. That's not the only yeah. thing that TV or entertainment is based on. But to your point here, it's tough to think around what the end result is where we're, we continue to like at least two to three, two out of three of these characters, you know? Yeah. Um, and right now, I'm frustrated at all of them and all of the decisions they're making. You know, somebody pointed out, I saw, this is the first on-screen proposal we've had in Riverdale, oh, is wow. Tony to Fangs, and it's such a bummer. Like, yeah, you know this is headed for ruin. Fangs is... Probably hiding the fact that he basically forced a custody battle by telling Kevin in a very pissy manner, no, you leave me alone, because Kevin was waiting out the dangerous fog a couple of episodes back. And now Tony is hiding the fact that she's only asking Fangs to marry her because she wants to hold on to her baby. So, I mean, frankly, like, again, speaking from the Shoddy Shipper perspective... Great, break them up, set it up, all good. Like set up, set up those bids, wow. let's knock them down. But as somebody it's who very likes funny, these... you're such a you're such a long shoney guy. You're like you see them get proposed to, they get engaged, <laughs> and you're like, great, perfect, closer to shoney. I'm all like, going according to plan. No, that's not what it is. That is not going. You they're are. Fi- they're five babies in. Here we go. You it's are all happening. Pete's not here, but you're definitely giving yeah. me big bucket energy. Tony and energy. Fangs buried next to each other in matching grays. <laughs> oh, next episode, baby. It's all happening. Afterlife oh, show the end game. No, I really do think like they are setting this up to reach a crisis point in this relationship, whatever it means down the road. For me, though, as a fan of the actors, as a fan of the characters, it's, it's a bummer. It's frustrating to yeah. watch, to your point. Totally. Totally. Shall totally. we move on to something else? Talk about something no, keep, else. If there's any other long strategies, you got to talk about. I got a tight hour on this. Yeah. <laughs> Not tight. Uh, let's do, um, you want to jump over to Betty? Yeah, absolutely. So Betty's big thing this episode is dealing with her evil auras for the most part. She's trying to figure that out along with Agent Drake. And yeah. ultimately she sees an evil order aura on Dagwood, not Juniper, 
their initial theory is it's because of the serial killer gene, but they test both of the kids and Juniper has the serial killer gene, but Dagwood does not, even though Dagwood had the yeah. evil aura. It was going to rip Butterscotch. Is that the name of the cat? Butterscotch. Rip the yeah. tail straight off. Well, that's the, he was like, I can't wait to play with her tail. And Betty's like, yo, that's not, that's a warning sign. I was like, yeah. I agree, but th- they got to get out of this. Name the cat something else or mm-hmm. get a fish. I yeah, think just the to, Coopers need fish. Just to give a rundown right now, Caramel Betty bashed the headed with a rock. Correct. That was part of her grooming from Hal. Yep. Toffee still missing somewhere. Cat briefcase somewhere. Cat briefcase, but missing Probably somewhere. Probably happy, happy, safe at <laughs> Doing least. Doing great. With Glenn yep. somewhere in a somewhere shower. Somewhere with Glenn, uh, yeah, next to Glenn's corpse, <laughs> yeah, just, in the cabinet case, yeah, yeah, eating yeah. the food and then pooping into the, the, the food litter box. Being Glenn. Yep, Glenn is slowly, slowly eating Glenn's corpse, which is at the front end of the briefcase, <laughs> and uh, at the back is the litter box. Perfect. And then we've got Butterscotch, who Dagwood's going to rip the tail off of. And then last but not least, we got the Pussycats. Never got their spinoff. Very sad. Right. Well, they have Grammys. Yeah. They, uh, Josie which, has a Grammy. We don't know about the Pussycats. Wow. She I'm had four saying, noms man. and not one of them was with the Pussycats? I don't know. Did they release music yet? Like, how does this time out? Josie released music. She went on a world <sighs> tour. I assume just I just based wish on I could get on Alice Cooper's email list so I could find out the real shit here. Yeah. she's if, When she's not on the air, she sends out a sweet... Uh, newsletter, which is great. You got to subscribe to that. But regardless, we've got this whole evil aura thing going on with Betty. She's trying to figure out where they come from and why they come from. Ultimately, she sees one on Alice, who does another of her classic "You're a terrible daughter, and I don't want anything oh, to do with you" speeches. Not nice, devastating, devastating. And then the episode ends with Betty seeing an evil aura around herself and being very worried. Well, so a couple of things about this. Um, the her, I'm confused because I feel like we're changing up maybe what the aura means a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, we, in addition to all this sort of experimentation that um, Drake and Betty are doing to try to sort this out, she sees the aura on Frank, catches him in the act of ruining their plans, which was awful. The f- betrayal totally of Frank awful. caught me off guard and was so hard. I, it was one of my favorite parts of the episode because it got me so hard. Well, and um, just very quick about this. So this is over in the Tabitha and Archie storyline where Archie is trying to push on Frank's tether to free him from Percival's control. And he does this using the memory of his brother, Fred, by showing them a picture of them together, I believe. And ultimately it seems to free kids. Frank. Yeah, as kids. And it seems to free Frank from Percival's control, but ultimately it doesn't work. And he tries to steal the stuff from Pops. And like you said, Betty catches him with the evil aura. And you're absolutely right. Like, specifically because it involves Fred, it's so sad. It's so upsetting. It's such a bummer. Um, yeah. But but like well, also, use, like you said, really well done. Yeah. The, the Fred Trump card, you know, has been used so much as like Archie's like, no, I, I'm doing this for my dad or this is meaningful to me. And so when they use it here with a childhood picture, I was like, oh, great. This is going to be the story. They can pull back their allies by finding their tether and reminding them of it. And then it backfires so hard. I was like, oh, man. And it exposes that Archie has has beaten the Palladium, which is a bummer. It feels like he played that trump card a little early. Mm-hmm. Archie reacts and is like, yeah. Well, come on, come at me. I was like, oh, man, you haven't even finished moving the diner, bro. You need to get your shit together before you're challenging the arch nemesis to a fight. But uh, it was really great payoff. We're Now we're totally out of order. But, um, but, but yeah, what do you think is going on with Betty and these auras right now? Uh, I don't know. I think our... Um, our idea about Trash Bag Killer may pay out here. Mm-hmm. Betty sees that she has evil in her. I think that may be because she has the, the trash bag killer is part of a figment of her imagination, something well, that she's created. I'll throw out an alternate theory to you that I've seen popping up online, and I'm not honestly sure what this is based on, but some people think Agent Drake is TBK's daughter. So that's Ooh. the way things are going to go, which maybe I just don't know what that's based on. Um, well, let me say the Agent Drake coming on so strong on Betty in this episode, I was like, that's aggressive. 
in a way that I feel like is suspicious. So I, I feel like that's maybe has some genesis to that theory. A little Do bit. we want to jump over to that a little bit? Because yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I didn't find that suspicious. I do think they have chemistry, and yeah. I do think like that was apparent in the first diner scene. That was apparent in these scenes as well. The way that I read it is, I still think Betty and Archie are strong. I don't think Betty's like, "Ooh, I want to cheat on Archie with Agent Drake," but I do no. think Agent Drake is gutted for Betty pretty hard. Uh, hard hardcore, yes, yes. Um, but and I will say the two Barchi scenes we saw, the first one where Betty's like, "Can I move in?" I was like, oh, this was sort of a very unromantic, let's move in together scene. Mm-hmm. It was very logistical. And part a lot of the times when I would criticize Bughead, I was like, they're just doing stuff. They don't feel like they have any spark there. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what I saw in Bughead before they eventually broke up. But the scene later in the episode when they're um, going to bed together, I was like, that's romance. That's mm-hmm. real. So I do. I agree with you. I think Barchi is still strong. But the the Drake stuff, I was like, what? How is this going to play out? Well, that's why I was saying, like, maybe it all ends in a, uh, a Betty Veronica Archie thruple at the end of the series because the thruple energy is out there right now between <laughs> uh, Drake and Betty, and like it's that's, there's there's something in the air with that. Yeah, I I think I I don't want Barchie to break up for Agent Drake or anything like that. But no. I would say if Barchie does break up. Agent Drake is a pretty good option. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that fair? Okay. Uh, that's fair. Um, but I think it's I think it's tied up with with you some of the plots uh, going on here. Um, and it may it may end up I mean, we don't know what's going on in Betty's head. It's something I, we've talked about a little bit. Like Betty is sort of she when she's dealing with some of her like this um, gene stuff, the history being groomed to be a serial killer, all that stuff. We get to know what she's thinking because she says it out loud. But otherwise, of all the characters, I feel like I don't know what's going on in Betty's head. And that, that feels purposeful. And that's why I like the theory that she has trash bag killer in her. Maybe we're going to find the corpse of the trash bag killer and she killed him and uh, when she was in the pit and then is now uh, his sort of he's haunting her. And that's where this has gone from since then. Um, but I think that doesn't that could go on at the same time that Agent Drake is also the trash bag killer's daughter. Yeah. Or could just be the trash bag killer. Like we've been talking about with yep. Betty, it could be something she's seeing or not seeing. It doesn't necessarily have to be her to throw out an even simpler explanation the red aura thing could just be danger. Like she has intuition of danger and she always thinks Betty always thinks, Oh, I have this darkness in me. I have the shadow. I, you know, stay away from me, Archie with your light. We had that whole speech back last season. So if this is something she's seeing in herself, it could be the same thing that she's seeing in other people. So it could be just as simple as that. It may not be, actual danger and maybe perceived danger on her part. The other thing that I'd throw out there is we still don't know how they got their powers. And that feels like a very pointed piece of information that's been left out that gets brought up every couple of episodes. So we don't forget about it and it's going to become important in some way. So perhaps if we find out why they got their powers, we'll understand what Betty's powers are, you know? Yeah. And like, I like the way, like, I know you were sort of, uh, hesitant about getting into the power stuff and you sort of didn't like it at first. What I like about it is they're really rolling it out slowly. Like in this episode, we get Jughead who finds a whole new, uh, pardon the pun, page uh, of his power set. And then we get PP realizing it. And, and so he's sort of the one that understands the map while each individual character sort of figuring it out as they go. Archie figured out he had a vulnerability, overcame it, and now he's invincible. Uh, Veronica's figuring out how she can probably control her power. Same with Cheryl. So all that is cool. I think Betty's just sort of next in line who who has to really get to the bottom of how it works. Yeah. Real quick, this has nothing to do with Betty's storyline, but you saying Archie reminded me the line of the episode for me, I think, was when Tabitha goes and tells Archie about the ghosts and Archie's reaction is, listen, I got to tell you, Tabitha, a haunted diner is the least of my problems. Yeah, I know. know. Archie in this episode, he was like, whatever. He he literally said at one point, I'm not afraid of ghosts. I was like, really? I think you should be afraid of ghosts. Oh, the afterlife has been confirmed and that's not a big deal to you. Your big deal is paying people your union dues. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I got union guys on my ass. Uh, I got scabs running across the, uh, I got a diner running 
it out of my my boxing gym. I got to order the fry oil. He's got he's got a lot going on. <laughs> do you think he's going to do that in the uh, in the uh, fighting ring area? Like he's going to put some walls up there, and that's where the fry oil is going to be. Yeah, exactly. A big fry pit. Drop it in. I mean, if we see people eating in that boxing gym, I don't know that that may stretch the plausibility of Riverdale. <laughs> no, that's, one step too that's far. the step too far. Okay. You ever eaten near a mat? A mat where people fall down sweating on not, a lot. I have not. Yeah, I opened. Lot. I opened um, a McDonald's franchise in a wrestling uh, basement, and boy, was that a mistake! Oh man, ringworm everywhere. Uh. Terrible, terrible. Why don't we talk about Jughead since you brought him up? So his big plot line, we got a Jeronica storyline here. Yeah. Jughead and Veronica teaming up together to do a mentalism act. And as part of the mentalism act, they take it one step further. Veronica convinces Jughead to wipe Reggie's memory of the time Veronica called a hit on her own father, Hiram. They do it successfully, but as you mentioned earlier, Percival finds out about this new power of Jughead's at the same time. First thing I'll say right off is this was very fun overall. Very Always fun. fun to see them together. But I love the conceit of the comic books being the yes. way that Jughead goes through everybody's mind. Uh, we've really cemented that as sort of um, the the metaphor for Jughead's powers, and I feel like it's going to end up being a, a bit of the metaphor for the whole season. Because we see Jughead drawing comic book comic books, and he has writer's block, and then he is doing some, let me say, mediocre doodles. When he's uh, like, I'm writing again. I was like, that's not drawn. Yeah. That's not drawn. <laughs> yeah, please write. Don't do the other part. Get an artist, please. It's just very funny that, like, they clearly, from a production standpoint, made these awesome comics for when they're in art, uh, Jughead's head, uh, or mm-hmm. Jughead's in other people's heads to see the, their, their lives. And then Jughead's drawing stick figure comics. I'm like, what? There's, there's one of those paddles, if you look at them closely, is two people kissing, and it's like, I don't know, their lips are pointed up into each other or something. It's very funny. It just reinforces our theory that Jughead is bad at what he does. He doesn't <laughs> actually write because he can't think of anything, and he draws like uh, a fourth grader. Yeah. The I will also say the panels, I, I did appreciate the fact that they kept the story, quote unquote, that he was doing in those panels, just because I looked at a screenshot of that pretty vague, like it was a shot of somebody eating pancakes and that it was somebody kissing somebody with a ponytail and that it was some other detail. But it was vague enough that it was like, all right, maybe this is Bughead again, but maybe well, it's Barchi, but I don't know what's happening here. Was it Rivervale? Because the pancake eating mm. wasn't that. Oh, okay, that's a good call. It might be. So that that makes me think um, he's drawing Rivervale stuff, and that's the creation of that, perhaps. Like, and so that's do you where think we're going to get. That. We're going to get a moment where our Jughead is going to figure out the existence of Bunker Jughead over in Rivervale. Yes. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's just telling that every season since we introduced the bun- the bunker the sex bunker stuff has happened there this mm-hmm. season. Nothing, nothing has happened there. Yeah. Mm, good theory. Uh, yeah. Overall, I like this though. I thought this was very fun. Real. I will say, even though Reggie's being a real jerk lately, it's a total violation to rip out a piece of his mind. Right. Yeah. It's not cool. And, but I mean, Veronica plays hardball. Um, uh, so I agree. It was not morally good. <laughs> But um, I liked this storyline a lot. And the way that um, that Reggie played it um, with like when PP's or when he's talking to Veronica and she's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, "Um, I that thing like I like that they let him try Mm -hmm. rather than just be like, I've forgotten completely and move on. He really like was like, I know this and then didn't know it. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was just really well handled. And then the Jughead stuff. When he does the trick and it's just saying a number and everyone's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he knew that number. It's out of the card. I don't even know it. I was like, that's the only trick he's doing for an hour? Uh, Solid hour. People love it. The yokels, they love it. I did like the exchanges with Jughead and Veronica, particularly when Veronica was laying out. She's like, so I kind of did this thing where I sort of killed my dad. Yeah. Jughead's like, ugh. All right, what do you need? Uh, Just rolled from it for there. Very fully on board. Well, I think that points to the cumulative effect of Riverdale. Of they have been through so much together, and so many insane things have happened to them. Don't waste time on it. Just move forward and figure out what the next step is. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. I also thought it was funny that um, later in the episode we see the cover of Riverva- Riverdale Choice, and it's all uh, Forsyth the Fantastic. I was like, Jughead did a cover story on himself with the newspaper? Yeah. Well, the Riverdale Choice is all about telling the real story that nobody else is going to tell you. It's like, up front. I a- put on a show! The uh, back of it, was- the... Well, there was the headline above it, which is like, Riverdale Railroad, people have different opinions. <laughs> I see, is, and that's just plain dealing. That's yeah, the story. That's why um, it's my paper of choice. That's true. Uh, I also liked that Veronica um, has been, she's been singing a lot. Like, mm-hmm. there was no reason she had to come out and introduce Jughead with a song, <laughs> but she did. And I yeah. like it. She likes to put on a show. Yeah. Great yeah. outfit. Very fun. Any other notes from the episode that you want to call out? Did we miss any of the storylines there? I feel like we covered Um, We covered most of it. We did get a great tarot reading. Um, Mm -hmm. Heather reading Cheryl's tarot, which I think is a little bit predictive. She got a pretty dark card in the tower to end it, um, which is predicting war and trouble. So I do think that shows that Cheryl will be a factor in the coming uh, battle between good and evil, even though most of her storylines have been existing, at least to the side of the main sort of Tabitha and Archie versus PP story that has sort of been taking shape here. Um, I, uh, of course we got a, we love that Archie's buying drinks for Frank when they meet on his chime card. Um, which Great product appreciate. placement. Yeah, really. Myself, uh, I so. use a smart food card. That's how I pay for everything. But <laughs> Sir, uh, you can't buy this home with your smart food card. All right. Well, just give me the paint then. Benjamin Moore, please. (laughs) I'll have one glass of Benjamin Moore. Oh, all right. Um, Whatever you say. Um, Let's see. What else do we have? I mean, uh, Dr. Kirtle doing some gene testing on the side, which I was like, I know who to go for for, to get these children gene tested. I do appreciate that they've stop pretending that there are any other doctors in town, like asking, yeah. is there a doctor who could do this? What has he done? He's done. He did a test for toxins. The last episode over in Rivervale, he was the pediatrician, which yep. mind you, he's probably also the pediatrician here. Very in small towns. So you know, you got to wear a lot of hats and his reaction to Juniper and Dagwood running in. It was a very quick one in the background, but it was so funny. You just recalled. It was like, who? Huh? Yeah, he doesn't have kids. No, he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't run a daycare. He runs a dead body uh, club. Yeah. Yeah. Dead body care. Uh, So overall, lots of fun stuff in the old Riverdale this week. Who was the MVP, though? Who was the MVP this episode, Justin? It's tough. A lot of great... Not a great stuff happened this episode. Um, I'm going to give it up for uh, Veronica in this episode. As far as getting stuff done, she continues to be the best at it. So much of her storylines in the last few episodes are, I have a problem and I've resolved it. Um, so it's, it's really, she, she's the character that is the most high functioning. And I'm curious, much like Cheryl, when she sort of enters the fray in the battle of good versus evil, she's going to be an absolute wrecking force. I think. Yeah. I'm going to give it up to agent Drake this episode. Oh, uh, you <laughs> get out of here. I don't want that. No, I was going to give it up to Betty, who I also thought was very good in this episode. But I think like that storyline really popped. I enjoyed seeing them explore the powers, try to figure it out, test different things, spend time with it. I thought it was very fun. And like you said, I've been sort of anti-powers and anti-superpowers. But this particular aspect and this approach to it, I thought was really interesting. And I dug quite a bit. And a lot of that was because of how Agent Drake and Betty were working together. 100%. I mean, it was a great episode sort of across the board. Um, And my my favorite scene, despite my Veronica shout out, was the Frank reveal with Mm -hmm. Archie. I thought that was just really well done reveal and great um, powerhouse moment for Archie to really step up. Uh, But I do have one more question for you. Yeah. Why do you think from a larger plot, what is the point of moving the diner into the El Royale? Because like uh, it feels like it, it ends up there very purposefully, right? And it is the, where the battle of good versus evil is going to happen. But why? <laughs> why is it there? Is it so they can wreck a bunch of shit at the same time? Is it I, that it, like from a logistical me... perspective? Is it that they can't film it at the diner? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I mean, I guess from a from a filming standpoint, if you're going to have a big fight, having two sort of levels Mm -hmm. is cool. It'll make for a better fight sequence. If they do like a legit 
battle. Um, though I thought maybe you could do that with the white worm and uh, yeah, and but I Pops. think you're right. It's not the same. Uh, I know we're thinking about this from a very specific production standpoint, but we've seen fights in Pops before. We've seen fights in the parking lot. It's not quite as interesting, though you could have something on the roof of Pops. We've definitely seen that before. But to your point, having stuff going in the boxing ring, people fighting in Pops, people fighting in the second level, going into the office, absolutely destroying everything, and potentially spilling out from there onto... Where actually is the LRI? It's next to Sketch Alley, right? Sketch Alley, I believe. Yeah, so you got that area as well. So, like, there's probably a lot of stuff that you can do next to each other that just makes it a little easier to do. Um, But, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. That would be my best guess because otherwise it just does not make sense to keep jabbing all of this stuff in here. Yeah, I thought it was a very strange place for the episode to end. I mean, it's a strange choice all around for, for their initial motivation to be like, let's just move everything in the diner, which I don't know if you've ever moved a building, but right. very hard. Well, but they're also not moving the building. This is the other thing that confused me about this, and I understand the ghosts explained it, and they're like, wherever we are is Pops, which is fine. But I kind of feel like the whole idea is Pops, they've talked about, is this lighthouse, is the central place in Riverdale. So... I don't know. If you want to talk about it metaphorically, we've had like the soul and the heart of Riverdale, however you want to refer to them, are Tabitha slash Pops and Archie slash El Royale. So jamming them together, it simplifies that a little bit. You know, you could have Percival being like, great, they brought everything into one place. Oh, we did it. Now I can destroy them more easily. You know, it could be something like that, potentially. Um, I don't know. We'll it see. does unite them. It lets Percival maybe get his tr- train power, something else we established in this episode that I sure. don't quite know what that means. I hope uh, he wears a very silly conductor's hat. That's the big yeah. thing that I'm hoping out of this. Toot toot, all aboard the pee-pee train. <laughs> something I say to my kids. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Thank you.